0: To support our work at the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show and you will get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up at Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, I'm Murtada
1: And I'm Izzy. And welcome to the Izzy Murtada Picture Show.
0: Woo! Hello, everyone. Um, in this episode, we are discussing a new film. Actually, the episode will drop a couple of days before the film's release. So we will try not to spoil. Um, but and if we do spoil, we'll let you know. So then maybe you can skip along and come back and listen to it when you've seen the movie. So we are talking about past lives which is written and directed by Celine Song. It stars Greta Lee, T.O.U., and Joan Magaro. And this movie was quite literally the sensation at this year's Sundance. It was the one movie um, that sort of everybody agreed on, that this was a good film, that this was a great film, that this was the movie that everybody wanted to see. And it took that buzz to Berlin where more people saw it and liked it. And I think a lot of people are going to go see it this weekend and like it as I did. I've already reviewed this movie. I'll link to my review to it. But I'm excited to hear from you, Izzy, first. What did you think of Past Lives?
1: Well, I'm glad to hear what you just said about its reception at Sundance in Berlin. I didn't follow the reviews from any of those festivals too closely so I missed the buzz apparently but I do think it's absolutely warranted I really did not know to expect going into this but I loved it I really did I was kind of blown away actually because I wasn't expecting um, anything that emotional but yes. wow it really packs quite a punch I think if any of our listeners are fans of Um, Something like Brief Encounter, if you're like a a history of film person, Mm -hmm. you will probably love this film as well.
0: Yes. Um, And to just give context to the story, it's a story about three people. um, And it, it starts the setup, the first scene in the movie is that the camera is on these three people in a restaurant, as in voiceover, other patrons of that restaurant trying to figure out the relationship between the three of them. So one of them is a woman, two are men, and two of them are Asian, one man and the woman. And the other, the third person is a white man. And so they're trying to figure out who they are. Are are they brother and sister? Are they that? And that seemed to me so brilliant because then you get into the story and you realize this is a story where sort of a love triangle, but not really. Um, It's about these two friends um, who um, went to the same school when they were young in Korea. And then 12 years later, they had, after she immigrated with her family from Korea to Canada, they had a sort of love over Skype. Um, And then 12 years after that, so 24 years after they first met and sort of had feelings for each other as 10-year-olds, 10, 12-year-olds, something like that. They meet again in New York when she is married to this to the third man. And they can't sort of explain. It's not really a love affair because they they were kids when they met. And then when they had feelings for each other that are sort of not explained, they they could never get to those feelings or have them fully formed because they were just talking over Skype. And so this is, I think as far as we can say about the plot because it's not really about the plot it's a movie that's about feelings um which is very hard to do but it's done so well both as a written piece as a piece of filmmaking and as a showcase of acting
1: yeah I think one of the things I loved about this so much is like I think one of the gripes I read about a lot in um modern filmmaking is that people aren't necessarily cast for chemistry they're cast for their box office appeal right mm, so like yeah. you know you'll have these two people who are very well known and just kind of stuck together because surely that that will work and people like them um and it really doesn't matter whether or not you know you believe that they would be in a relationship or anything like that um with these two leads with Greta Lee and U-T- UTO um, you really believe in their chemistry. I mean, it's very unspoken. It's very quiet and understanding. They don't have to really do very much. They just kind of are looking at each other, and somehow there's just this in- incredible tension building between them, where the two of them just seem like they belong together, and they seem like uh they really have known each other for decades.
0: Yes, and it's even more impressive because for half their screen time they're not in the same room they're not in the same frame they're talking to each other over Skype um and yet they're able to convey all these feelings just i think it's the way they look at each other is just heartbreaking and you know it's heartbreaking in moments and then in other moments is just like that you know you sort of get everything from a look and that's not easy to do and i don't know how actors do it but Somehow they do.
1: I don't either. But I feel like if this were, you know, like 2014 Tumblr or something, people would be losing their minds for this man. <laughs> just uh, the most gentle soul he, like uh, that I have seen in, on screen in a, quite a while.
0: With those eyes that are just yes. so piercing. Yeah. Um, well, Izzy, you might be making a prediction. The movie hasn't been released yet. So I think this... Let's put this in the predictions group and talk about it maybe in 6 months. Mm-hmm. I think he, I agree with you. I think he will be a heartthrob too.
1: Totally. Totally. Um and then our classic John Magaro always always a little bit snubbed this this man on
0: screen, <laughs> huh? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think he gets a big, huge scene. I don't want to give it out, uh, but he does have I don't mean plot-wise.
1: Big... I mean, he always plays the character who I'm just like, I feel a little bad for you, but I still really like you.
0: Yes, yes. And he plays sort of like the literally the third wheel, even though he is the husband, mm-hmm. um, because the story is about the two other characters. But he does get a scene, and maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit detail later on, because that's the scene that you know, as somebody married to someone not from their culture um, and who, you know, our, we speak English to each other and I speak English to almost everyone, but I do have another language that it's my mother tongue. And that scene sort of touches in that, about that, about how when you are married to somebody from a different, from a different culture, it can enrich and expand your world, and but also it can alienate you a little bit. So it's a wonderful scene and Joan Magara plays it really, really well.
1: Yeah, I do. I feel, I feel that as well. Obviously I'm not in a relationship with anyone in a different culture, but I've been in situations like when I go visit like my dad's family in Brazil and I'm not fluent in Portuguese. And I just know, like, I can see it. There's a whole other side of like his life and his personality that like we can't access like me and the rest of our family can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it is really hard to explain, like being in those situations and that scene was incredible because you could tell how like he was doing everything right really like he was being open and like confessing his feelings and um and i think very generous and Mm -hmm. willing to let her kind of explore her own feelings as well um without being too jealous and disruptive
0: yes But like, you know, but there is, like you said, there is a part that he just can't access. And that part becomes really easy to access um, when you are with someone who has that shared history and shared culture with you. Um, The other sort of like scene that I sort of was the, the companion to this scene was when she is talking to her husband and she says, well, with um, the other guy, Um, which I can't remember the names. I'm sorry, the names of the characters. Um, She feels (laughs) too Korean and almost too Korean, but also she feels not Korean at all. And I feel that with like my Sudanese friends when, you know, especially people um, who don't live in America, when I like talk to them across on, on the phone or we meet somewhere and, and you start talking and you suddenly, it's all there, the history, the culture, the background, all the things you shared when you were younger, be, th- those formative years, it comes back immediately and you pick up right from where you left off. But also suddenly somebody would say something and it could be me or it could be someone I'm talking to and you just then realize the gulf and the the distance um, in sort of the life experience that you have lived since then. And so you do feel too much of your you know, original culture and also a little bit alien to it. Um, and this movie is just so wonderful in capturing all these things. Um and, and one thing that I want to add to that is I think the film is sort of being sold as this love story, which it is. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than that. It's also a marriage story. Like I think if 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 they gave it that title, it would have been a good title. Um because it sort of touches about, you know, who do you marry and why do you marry them? And why do you stay with them and what that means? And how do you then talk about that to each other um, in wonderful yeah. scenes? And also the third thing um, is it's an immigrant narrative and we can, you know, delve into that, what it means to, you know, to leave what you know and love behind and live somewhere else and what that does to you.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that it's all of these things at once is why it's so successful because sometimes I feel like when a movie leans too hard on one thing, if it's mm-hmm. just marriage story, like we we saw that movie, you yes. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it can, we've seen that movie a hundred times. um. And By now, like a lot of tropes are coming out of all of those things that you just mentioned where you're just kind of like, okay, like, well, what else are you offering? That's kind of different. Mm-hmm. And this, I think just really felt like it fully embodied what a person's life is like. It's never just... And today I'm thinking about immigration, like you're experiencing that while you're experiencing like your marriage and your job. And like all of these things are kind of coming together at once. And sometimes they can reach a peak that can be very emotionally intense. And we Mm -hmm. just happen to be like watching her during some
0: of these peaks,
1: which I think is nice. Like, I think it just felt like real people.
0: Yes, it did feel like real people. And also, you know, Celine Song, who wrote and directed this film, this is her first um, film as a filmmaker, but she's a playwright um, and just has such an ear for dialogue. Like this film, its dialogue is in English, it's in Korean. Um, It takes place, its scope is epic because it takes place over more than two decades, but it unfolds in conversation. It unfolds in conversations over Skype, it unfolds in conversations in restaurants, it unfolds in conversations that you have as you're just walking down the street, it unfolds in conversations at the airport with immigration people, it's just conversation. And there is, what I loved about the writing is great, so those conversations are the center of the film, but also the directing sort of gives those conversations the spotlight in that it is very unadorned like there is no musical cues to tell you how to feel which is something I don't like no in pop movies.
1: songs <laughs> no-, no pop
0: songs no pop songs exactly. actually okay there
1: is one there's one that plays in a bar do you remember what it is because I was like oh I want to listen to that later and I forgot what it is and it made, it's driving me
0: nuts <laughs> oh I don't remember it but the but your point is of course is that it's just a song in a bar, so it's yeah. not a song to cue you to feel a certain way or to put you in—I don't know—nineteen ninety-four or whatever it is. It was—I don't even—I don't know math. What well, was twenty-four years ago? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think twenty-four years ago was nineteen ninety-nine. Okay, I just—I just did the math. Um, so there are no cues like that, um, and it's just about people talking to each other. And I loved it for that, and I loved it for this ear for conversation that is it's a very fine line to write conversation that is banal enough to be conversation that people just talk to each other every day but also full of something you needed to be a little heightened to sort of grab yeah. attention in a movie and yeah it's like a little that.
1: theatrical yeah because sometimes like sometimes when you're watching a movie you don't want to hear people talk you don't want to hear people talk the way that normal people talk because normal people are not good writers <laughs> yes, <laughs> and not good improviser yeah. improvisers. So it's nice to hear someone have something a little lyrical to say or poetic, which pretty much all of these characters do at one point or another.
0: Yes, but also not in an obvious way. Like nobody mm-hmm. here is, you know, flinging poems at each other or something like that, because mm-hmm. the sort of like the, the rhythm of the film, you would think it's something like that um yeah. and you know i don't want to give it away but there is a scene where um greta lee is doing this thing and it's you know she's giving this thing about something that means a lot to her in korean culture and it goes on and you're like oh is this scene going to be false but no it's punctured by a joke and then when the same thing is repeated later on it then it opens it it becomes more earnest but it's already been punctured so you just sort of like wallow in, in it and accept it as something um deeply felt from these characters and that really adds to the film.
1: Um, one of the things that I thought also really added to I guess this sense of authenticity that we're talking about is the production design. Yes. <laughs> um I it's not something that I think about a lot. So I was I wanted to talk about it because I actually noticed it and how good I thought it was. So there are since we're going through several phases of these people's lives, we see them in very different contexts, right? So like Nora, who's the main character, we see her at home when she's a child and her parents are an artist and one is a director. And so like you see the director's office and it's just full of these old tapes and like reels of film and they're both smoking and it's so cluttered and it just looks exactly like you would imagine So, like some, a director packing up his life in the 90s. Um, and then you know you see her college dorm room, and it has just these small details like a reminder to take your keys with you when you leave, or uh, like a very cheap bottle of soap that you like obviously buy because it's two dollars and not because it looks pretty. It's not like an Aesop bottle or something, you know. But it's all these little details that are everywhere. That you can kind of tell like exactly how rich these people are or, like what kinds of things they're into or what they uh tend to forget or tend to like um that I felt made it really really realistic and really lovely and also I want to go to the artist retreat that she goes on because it was so beautiful
0: <laughs> yes yeah she goes and she, she's the, so it's sort of kind of a little bit autobiographical because like Celine song the main character thank you for the name because i forgot all these characters names i was just so swept in looking at them and in their emotions that i forgot their names but her name Don't is worry, Nora I watched it up too <laughs> <laughs> her name is Nora um and and so she's a playwright too so she meets her husband at this artist retreat um and i love like the movie's not fussy about that. like it just presents it and then moves on and there's just it's the most unfussy movie that i have seen in a long time Um, It centers emotions and it's about these emotions that are volcanic, but at the same time, nothing in this movie is volcanic or fussy or, you know, brings attention to himself to itself, like even the production design that you were talking about in the last part of this scene, which is sort of more contemporary and they live in New York City. And they live in the East Village, as they tell us. And even if they hadn't mentioned that it's the East Village, it would have been immediately recognized. The streets, the bars, even those apartments that are sort of old, but that, you know, you modernize them with what you put in them. And the way that the film is framed, the cinematography is so good in those apartment scenes because it it's small and claustrophobic like all New York apartments are. But it's also wide enough and big enough to sort of, Because when these characters are in these apartments, they're just talking about these things that are like kind of life changing. And somehow the cinematography and the production design to your point sort of add to this feeling that, like you are just in with their feelings all the time, the way they are shot and framed.
1: I also thought that they, like you were saying how nothing is really nothing um, physical is really volcanic. Um, the emotions are but nothing physical is like the way that they kind of let the tech from like old tech speak for itself too i feel like they're not trying to get nostalgia points for being like oh it's 2008 skype yes does that make sense
0: i mean they use all of
1: these things but it's not like look how cool it is it's the old iphone headphones like it's all just very underplayed and very it's there but it's not they're not trying to make you be like oh my (laughs) done <laughs> yeah. Look at the old headphones.
0: Which is what a lot of movies try. They they try so much to tell you when and where they're set. Like they try to hammer it in your head. And this movie is just like, well, you know, we're in Seoul, we're in New York, we're in 2008, we're in 1999. But you need to figure that out for yourself because they don't tell you the time. They just say 24 years ago. So you have to do math, or you just see the things that you know, you listed when you were talking about the production design and all of these yeah. things tell you what year it is.
1: I imagine a lot of people in their 30s will be able to guess that time period the the easiest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Like,
1: I don't know if younger people will be like, oh, that's what everyone did when they got a Facebook it was like creep on, you know, people they knew for five minutes
0: when they 10 were 10. Ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but everyone did that.
0: Yeah, in 2008 when Facebook first yeah. started. Yes, everyone did that. <laughs> I did that for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And so it puts you right in there. It it places you in 2008 without telling you it's 2008. But you just kind of know, you know, it's 2008 or 2009 or whenever that person got Facebook and they started looking out for the people that meant so much to them when they were 12 years old or whatever.
1: I have never seen Tao Yu in anything else. Or maybe I have. Just kidding. I saw Decision to Leave, obviously. What was he in Decision to Leave?
0: Um, I have no idea. Assistant I've seen Decision Manager to
1: Leave.
0: Lee. Decision to Leave, too, but I do not remember him from that movie. Was it a small part?
1: He was also in Equals, the Kristen Stewart movie. <laughs> the dystopian Kristen Stewart movie. Do you remember that?
0: Uh, I remember hearing of it, but I've never seen it.
1: Wow. Not a Kristen Stewart completist, huh?
0: I am not. I'm sorry. Not not wow. to that extent. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the point stands is that even if, we, if you've seen him and didn't remember him before, you're not going to forget him after this movie. That's right. Yep. So true. But I've seen Greta Lee before a lot. Yeah, she's an actor who's been in a lot of things. Like, I think um, I remember her most from that TV show, um, okay. Russian Doll, I think she had a big part in Russian Doll mm-hmm. um, with Natasha Leon and that's sort of like the most memorable part that I remember her in, But you, but we've never seen her in something like this where she is the center of the film and she carries the film Mm-hmm. The story is about her character, Nora, like she's the one in the middle of these two relationships. She's the one who has to deal with both men, with both actors. And I think, you know, there is a, a younger actor who plays her um, when she's 12. But otherwise, she's sort of like then once she, once she starts playing the role, she is in every scene, almost every frame. And the story is about this this character's emotions I keep saying emotions but it's true it's about the emotions. it's about this character's emotions so to see her just carry that and she does it really well I think
1: I was going back and forth throughout the movie I was like sometimes I really liked Nora and sometimes I didn't Mm -hmm. did you have the same experience
0: yeah she is somebody who is um you know the the her edges aren't sanded off Mm-hmm. Like she's somebody who, you know, um, can be selfish at times, who somebody can, you know, put themselves first at times. She's so, she's not like the typical sort of like ingenue who is there to be admired and love and, and to be admired and love that is sort of like angelic and her feelings are always obvious to the audience. And I think that's, in the writing, obviously, but also in the performance in that they keep a little bit of her and don't show her in full. And sometimes you're, you're not sure um, what she wants with with either of this men or if she's being 100% truthful when she tells one or the other she loves them or how she feels about them or how she misses them or what she wants and all of that, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. There were moments where I really admired her honesty for example, when she's talking to her husband and he's like, do you, you know, do you find him attractive? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I do. You know? And I, I felt like in that moment in many films, that's the moment where it's written that that person will lie and they'll just be like, no, of course not. But we know that they're lying, but that's like part of it. Right. The conflict I, is that uh-huh. we can tell that they're conflicted, but they're being dishonest. But I like that she wasn't like that, really, that she was just kind of very openly not sure what to do with her husband, I guess. And I also but then at the same time, I was like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But then I was kind of like, is that cruel? To be honest in that case, because I think that's what why most characters make that decision to lies, because they don't want to start a fight. Or something mm-hmm. um, yes. but then he I mean I guess one of the reasons that I like the husband a lot is that he didn't want to make it a fight he just wanted to hear what she had to say
0: yes which I thought uh, was
1: very lovely
0: and also that could be a cultural thing right like because the, she does talk a lot about you know being Korean born in Korea grew up in you know then immigrated to Canada and then to America so if, as she says, I immigrated twice to have this life with you. Um, uh, and then she talks about her, and I remember his name. Now I looked it up, like you said, Song, Her life was him and what he means to her and what he is. And she calls him very Korean masculine, um, which sort of a little bit emasculates her husband, who's who's not sure what that means, but he seems really taken aback and confused by it. But I think also like the way that she's direct and straight um, maybe it's a subtle nod to the cultural differences in that relationship, in that, you know, you you see yeah. the way she is with her husband and he's with her. And while they are loving and they do love each other, understand each other, sometimes there is a miscommunication just because of that, of the different cultures.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that he was open about that too, how he talks about how he's, he basically doesn't believe. There's a line where he says, it's like, Uh, I just don't believe all the time that you love me or something. And I I love that because it was one of those like you like he's talking about himself. He's not talking about her or anything that she's done necessarily. It's he just has problems with his own self esteem and is like, I can't believe that anyone would like me that much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the line and and this is a spoiler. So if you want, um, if you don't want to hear it or you you know just Fast forward a minute, I think the line, maybe that's the line you mean, but the line I loved is that he says, being with you has expanded my world, but I'm not sure that I do the same to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the line that made me tear up because it shows him that he really loves her so much and but is not sure if she feels the same way. She knows that she loves him, but maybe not as much. Um, as he does and also maybe he feels a little bit inadequate in that he hasn't added much to her life like she had to him or doesn't know if he did
1: Mm -hmm. and I mean (laughs) this is sort of tangential but I think there's a uh, this is another spoiler but there's a jump cut from like she she says something to the effect of like oh you're such an adult or something to Hae and then it like smashes smash cuts like right to Arthur <laughs> playing a video game yes I know and it was it's just the funniest contrast and it's so like subtle and um unassuming I guess but it's like the perfect joke
0: yeah that isn't it, really a joke <laughs> it it says so much like see yeah. this is where the direction is so brilliant in that you know, it's such a, like, I can't believe this is somebody's first film, but, yeah, it's you know, pretty crazy. I think Celine Song is playing in sort of this, um, playground of all these accomplished playwrights, theater people who can go to TV and, and cinema so easily because they've spent years and years, tr- you know, figuring it out in theater. Um, yeah. not everybody always has the visual eye, but I think she does, um,
1: have you seen any of her plays before?
0: I have not seen any of her plays before, so this is the first I'm seeing any of her work. And
1: same, um, yes, she wrote a play called The Seagull on Sims Four.
0: Mm, is that a take on the Seagull?
1: I don't know, but I would watch anything. <laughs> okay, Song directed a live production of Chekhov's The Seagull using The Sims Four on Twitch. Are you joke? Like, I want to see that so bad.
0: Yeah. That sounds amazing. She's obviously somebody very talented and also <laughs> sort of knows how to jump from medium to medium and do different things in the medium. Although this is, you know, it's a classical film in the in the sense that the acting and the writing are, are the thing that, that makes it great. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do, I think we talked about John McGarrow's character, but we haven't talked about his performance. And I think he has, like, I think Greta Lee has a hard part, but he also has... A very hard part in that he has to play this lovable man, but who is also maybe a little bit um, unsure of himself or feels a little inadequate. But at the same time, he has to make him attractive enough for this accomplished, smart, great woman to fall in love with. And it's kind of a hard thing. And I think he does it well.
1: Well, spoiler alert again, I'm sorry I keep doing this, but um <laughs> I mean I think the screenplay is really, really smart because it knows exactly what the audience is thinking. Um, or I guess it like shepherds the audience really well in that way because you know, when we meet John McGarro at the um artist retreat, we know that she's gonna end up with, up with this man and we're disappointed because uh, we had been rooting for her to get back with Haesung the whole time because they had just had this amazing little re- reunion on on Skype, but then you know, so you just start kind of rooting against Arthur, even though he didn't do anything. And he's just kind of like a neutral nothing character at that point. But then he has in that little speech, he's like, well, if I were watching the story, like I would really hate me. Like I'm just this guy who came out of nowhere and you guys are meant to be and whatever. And so suddenly the audience is like, oh, he knows exactly what he is. And we can kind of see him contend with that logic and like his place in the story rather than just kind of letting him be this easy third wheel villain. Um, which I thought was just so smart and really like funny. Yeah. Of a way to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are no villains in this story because in most of our lives there are really no villains unless you have just this obnoxious nemesis who you then make your villain. But nobody has an actual villain in their life story, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't even like they were growing apart or anything. It's just kind of the way that nostalgia can hit you really hard. Yes.
0: And like, you don't know, we, none of us know, like if somebody is brought somebody you loved and had feelings for, you know, 20 something years ago, suddenly appeared in your life, how are you going to react and what, and that, you know, because our feelings for people are volcanic and sometimes they just rush at you, the volcano erupts and it doesn't care where you are or who's in your life right now or what that means and you have to deal with those feelings and no matter what other feelings you also have at the same time yeah so this I, is a I, one a wonderful wonderful show I just love it more yes. talking to you Izzy
1: oh <laughs> uh, yeah I know same actually but I and I think it's just one of those movies that's like this is the kind of movie that used to be made like every three minutes and I mean that in a good way like mm-hmm. it just feels very romantic and adult and uh, personal in a way that a lot of like just normal dramas just feel kind of ripped from reality these days. Um, yeah, Ripped apart from reality. I mean, so I thought this was really nice and I highly recommend that people see it.
0: Yeah. I highly recommend it too. And, and I love like what you mentioned at the beginning that it's brief encounter um, is the film that also reminded me of it. So I know that is a movie that a lot of people love and go back to and watch and i think a lot of people are going to fall in love with past lives this year and which is what i want to talk about a little bit we're not exactly an oscars podcast although we do love talking about the oscars
1: <laughs> heard of them
0: yes but this is the film that people at sundance and you know people can't stop talking about the oscars including me and you um that sort of tipped it for from the sundance movies to um to maybe become successful at the Oscars later this year or next year or however you want to put it. Um, And it's so hard, like in May, we're still in May, to sort of think, oh, in nine months, this movie is going to be nominated for whatever.
1: Everything, everywhere, all at once came out earlier than this did.
0: Yeah, totally. You never know. (laughs) But it's all about what other movies are in the mix, right? And that movie...
1: Big year. It's a big year. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, And that movie also had a lot of noisy hooks that this movie doesn't have. Like, as I keep saying, it's about emotions. It's a movie about a woman, um, which the Oscars have tended to have never embraced fully. Um, It is ultimately about this woman and her feelings and emotions and relationships with two men. And the men are not the center of this film at all. Um, So that's another thing that you never know with, with these types of movies. But I think it has a definite shot at screenplay. And I think Celine song is um, like a superstar in the making.
1: Yeah. I'm so curious to see what she has lined up next. I don't see anything on her IMDb yet, but I mean, I hope someone just gives her a ton of cash to make whatever she wants. Cause it would be, I'd love to see more. Um, Yeah. I mean, everything everywhere all at once didn't have to deal with or contend with a, um, new Scorsese (laughs) um so I imagine that that will be a tough battle to fight but we'll see
0: yeah so we're recording this the same week that Killers of the Flower Moon um unspooled at the Cannes Film Festival and everybody seems to love it and it's getting some great reviews I tried not to read any reviews because you know I want to see it I love Scorsese so I want to see it unvarnished. So I'm not going to read anything, but it seems positive.
1: Yeah, seems I haven't read any either, but I've, I've just seen the headlines and stuff. So, and the, the I saw the teaser and loved it. Um, but I'm curious. What did you think about May December getting picked up by Netflix?
0: I mean, um, I don't like Netflix movies, but. Netflix has a <laughs> lot of money. So, I mean, if Netflix can get Todd Haynes a um, an Oscar nomination or get his movie to be seen by a lot more people than usual. Um, I mean, I know Carol is a big cultural movie and people still talk about it even a decade after it came out. But nobody actually saw it in the movies when it came out. It wasn't like this big hit or anything. And none of his movies are. So mm-hmm. I'm happy for him maybe to get the platform of Netflix. But that doesn't necessarily mean people will actually watch it. But at least it will be available in a lot of more homes than usual, and maybe, maybe that's something that people yeah. will discover more of his work.
1: Netflix kind of seems to almost get there every. I mean, obviously, Power of the Dog, but I feel that was anticipated to win a lot more than it did.
0: Yes. You know? And the thing um, with um, with um, Todd Haynes's films is that they are. I don't think any movie that he makes that is true to his aesthetic and to the way that he makes movies will ever be a Best Picture winner or win Oscars or anything because his movies always come at you um, from a place of a more intellectual, academic um, point of view which I love and a lot of people do and I'm sure you do too but it's not sort of the least common denominator type of movie
1: although i mean i feel like he's been kind of main i don't want to say mainstreaming but i feel like he's been very accessible for the last seven years
0: at least what what are you thinking about what movies are you like
1: from carol onward i would say he's pretty like accessible to most people
0: that mark ruffalo movie still nobody saw it and I know <laughs> that was sort of like completely like just the league. It was like Aaron Brock. I
1: liked Dark Mark Waters. Brockley. I thought yeah. it was really good. That's his normie movie. And I love it.
0: Yeah, I liked it too. And I thought it definitely accomplished anything it set out to make. But also it wasn't really that successful. It was his normie movie. I agree with that.
1: <laughs> you know what? I do feel so bad for Anne Hathaway, though because it's like she was like oh I get my Todd Haynes movie and it's that
0: and she's <laughs> like, just the wife yeah like
1: she yeah she doesn't deserve she deserves her own like actual Todd Haynes movie I think yeah
0: she could have been the May December one of the May December women but yeah, yeah. but she has Eileen this year which is kind of a May December thing yeah
1: so I'm we'll sure see. that's is that like um it, like we have Todd Haynes at home is that what it is is that what <laughs> Eileen is
0: Eileen is, is I mean, I don't know anything about May, December, but Eileen is also about sort of two women who start emulating or one of them starts emulating the other a little bit. So, so mm-hmm. there's that. It's not the whole story, but it is definitely one aspect of that movie, which is a little crazy and, and takes a, a, a dark twist in the middle. But, you know, Past Lives was my favorite movie at Sundance, but I also liked Eileen. It wasn't my favorite movie. But Eileen was more sort of divisive. I got
1: picked up by Neon, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and do we know when that's coming out?
0: Probably sometime in the fall, they haven't announced when. Okay. yet. Um, well, but Neon... it was more divisive than 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 Past Lives for sure.
1: Yeah. Neon also picked up what is rumored to win the or is likely to win the Palm Dor, I think.
0: Which film? I mean,
1: actually Scorsese might, but like that, there was another Scorsese one.
0: Scorsese is not in competition, so he's he's, oh, not, he's not up for the Palm Dor. Okay, there you go. Well, the movie that everybody says is going to win the Palme d'Or is the Jonathan Glazer film, um, The Zone of Interest. And I think that's A24. Uh, n-
1: it was something else. Anatomy of a Fall. That's what oh, I'm thinking of.
0: Justine Treat. Have you seen Sybil?
1: Um, no, I don't think I have.
0: So Sybil, uh, Justine Treat, I think she's French or Belgian, you know, from that part of the world anyway. Mm-hmm. um, And she makes, or at least Sybil was this sort of taught Um, thriller also about identity and things and things happen and people are a little off kilter it was a very Mm -hmm. good film with a great performance from the German actress Sandra Huller from um, Tony Mm -hmm. Erdman yep who Um, I think is in this movie too
1: I think so yeah um yeah I was reading that that They've they've picked at the last like three Palme d'Or movies. I
0: think. Yeah, they had Triangle of yeah. Sadness last year and Parasite, and I don't know what the third is, but yeah. Um. So... Oh, Titan. Oh, Titan. That's right. Yeah, so that would I be. I still a f- haven't seen. A four-year streak, if if it wins the Palme d'Or, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, who are they paying off? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. Let's throw it to Betty. And take it away, Betty. What a dump. My dump this week is for the bad movies. (laughs) It's just watching past lives last night and reliving um, this beautiful, emotional, well-made, well-acted, moving film was so wonderful. And it reminded me of when I was at Sundance in January. And I had such optimism about 2023 because the movies that Sundance, like Past Lives, were just so good this year. And I was like, this is going to be a great movie year. And I look every week at what is being released, what I'm being asked to review, and that optimism just fades away. So to the movies of April and May, and I'm looking at June 2nd, where this movie is going to be released and i don't see anything i want to see so my dump is to the april and may 2023 movies released in america dump all of them
1: amen amen we've been trying to find other movies to review to be fair and it's not easy because neither of us want to go see the little mermaid
0: yes (laughs) um Um, I mean, this is a little behind the scenes of the Easy <laughs> and Without a Picture show, but um, we tried to see The Little Mermaid. I got invited and then we were just looking at it and we we're like, oh, do we really have to do this? And then we're like, you know what? We don't have to.
1: We don't yeah. have to. We and can watch the old one and not hate ourselves. Yes.
0: And that was the best feeling ever when we were texting and you were like, no, we, we're not going to talk about that movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't have to see it. <laughs>
1: all of the reviews have been exactly the same. Like they're all saying exactly the same thing. Yes. And it sounds like a huge waste of time. And I'm glad that we're just not going to be repeating everything that they have already
0: said. So. Yeah, totally. And I just want to say, if you want to see a movie starring one of the Bailey sisters, go see Chloe Bailey's movie called praise this it's on um, Peacock. I, I saw it because I had to review it for variety it's a nice little movie that is not. It's a musical. There's lots of music and singing, and you get to watch Chloe Bailey sing. So watch that, and then maybe wait for the Moon Mermaid to come also to your home.
1: <laughs> and Color Purple, uh, trailer came out. Yeah, I haven't that's, watched yet? But um, also, would rather watch that. I think
0: yes. And Haley's in that. Like, uh, yeah. not. I call her Haley. Her name is Hallie. Hallie, yeah. <laughs> yeah Hallie, Hallie Hallie Bailey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um remember that tweet that Halle Berry did she's like it's not me you guys that was really funny
0: yes <laughs> I was <a> little mermaid. <laughs> that was funny um, um so what's your dump I we got into my a dump. tangent
1: <laughs> is my dump allowed to be like not movie related can I do that
0: yes your dump can be anything you want
1: okay um something I've been thinking about about a lot for the past like I don't know 12 hours because it's everywhere on my news feed is um just what's going on in la liga in spain with Vinny jr um he's a brazilian soccer player who um one of the best players in the world like hands down and he gets like the most horrific racist abuse that a person can get just like screamed at him by thousands of people every night on the field and it's awful um and it finally came to a head um recently and he's been speaking up about it and like posting a lot about it and so um yeah i don't know i mean i don't think anyone who listens to this cares but i just feel like i don't know everybody's kind of coming together in solidarity behind him and i think it's good like i don't know to advocate and like talk about where these issues still pop up because it's everywhere and and, you know it just sucks it sucks and I, i don't know
0: It sucks. I agree. And soccer, you know, or football, as it's known everywhere else in the world, people seem to just have, can, you know, say and act really awful to these players while they're playing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And everybody keeps being like, oh, you should go play in England. It's not as bad there. And I was like, yeah, but have you, (laughs) they're not nice either. (laughs) What are you talking about? Yeah. The fans are not nice at all. Yeah. It's really gross. And I just want everybody in the world to grow up and stop being idiots yeah that's my that's my dump
0: that's a very good dump less racism yes why not (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, although I
1: guess my 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 like anti-dump is that it's cool to see like a lot of people rallying behind him and stuff yes like even the president of Brazil was like this is not (laughs) he was talking about it and stuff so that's cool
0: yeah um that is nice and to see people rallying and I also hope people rally behind past lives behind this wonderful <laughs> film when it comes out yes, this to week bring it
1: back to what we all care about
0: <laughs> yes um so um I'm not sure of the release plans but if it's next is if it's close by buy a ticket you're gonna have a wonderful time um and I hope everybody you know um goes to see past lives when it comes out
1: yes agreed buy a ticket. It's important to see seven theaters. Yes. You'll, you'll have a great time.
0: And also you'll have a great time if you go to wherever you're listening and give us a five-star rating. If you've enjoyed this episode, or even if you didn't enjoy it, just give us a five-star rating because we would like more people to listen to the podcast and um, enjoy it or not like you did.
1: <laughs> I have to say you're doing 10, you're giving five stars on the transitions right now. Those were both really good.
0: Thank you, thank five stars alone for that. Yes, right. Um,
1: cool. <laughs> so you can find us on I Am Picture Show on Instagram and Twitter, and me at Be Kind Rewind or BK Rewind um, on Twitter and, and on YouTube.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says. You can read my critics. uh, You can read my criticism on the AV Club and variety. And until next time, thank you for listening.